Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Railover. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 103. And if you want to listen to this one as well as our previous 100 plus episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts, as we always say, feel free to leave us a nice rating, a nice review, because it's the summertime. And we like to look at nice things, not transfer rumors 24-7. So, with that being said, I shall bring in the full crew here of Samuel Pressey. Hello, Samuel. Oh, look, another transfer rumor. <laughs> <laughs> what did Fabrizio Romano tweet now? Uh, <laughs> no here we goes yet, so it's, no guys, it's a ways off. Yes, it's, it's very much the, hey, by the way, Juventus is still working on Paul Bogba. They're still working on... On Hell Demon. Still working so, on everything. Yeah. Still working. Yep. Speak of a man still working. Chuck, hello, Chuck. Oh, man. Yeah, always on the grind. No, not as much as you guys, man. You guys work more than I do. Um, but yeah, no, let's be uh, let's be grateful that that Twitter is still, uh, you know, functioning and standing. And given just how, like, Twitter is really the main source of transfer rumors and stuff like that, and political news and all that, of course. But um, yeah, transfer news and. Uh, yeah, given just that nobody really knows if uh, or who's going to own Twitter in the next uh, day or weeks or months from now. Thankfully, well, we it's still here. Elon. Yeah, well, it's you never going to actually be a thing. Yeah, but at least it's still here to give us transfer rumors. So let's be uh, grateful that despite the uh, complete uh, obscurity about the ownership structure of Twitter, uh, it's still still here to give us uh, transfer rumors. That's right. It will never not give us transfer rumors. Although the, the, the source of said transfer rumors might uh, not exactly be the most reliable. But luckily for you, Chucks, you're not a Twitter man, so you don't have to worry about any of that. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I'm uh, still uh, very reluctant to get on it. If, only if I ever really need to get on Twitter, I will join it. I haven't had that need yet. So. Well, look, good for you. Thank you. <laughs> and we've got our resident world traveler and still very much my mortal, em- mortal enemy during the NBA Finals. Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, Phyllis. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, less happy about how uh, the Celtics fumbled away a chance at taking a commanding 3-1 lead, but that's that's something for, for another day. You know, about the, the Twitter thing, it's just it's funny because there's been nothing happening, so they just kind of have to figure out new ways of tweeting. You know, it's still happening. It's just <laughs> the same news. I mean, most of the tweets are just like nothing absolutely nothing there really only needs to, to be like three tweets in every transfer it's like there's interest uh there's something happening there's an agreement that's it done you you don't need more than three tweets to describe something like that happening but they have to they have to get the tweets off so i mean can't, can't hate the game well speaking of tweets luckily our our listeners came through uh, with some Twitter questions. So we will be turning the vast majority of this episode into a Twitter Q&A of sorts. But before that, before that, we will actually talk about some on-field stuff. And thankfully for us, a Juventus player actually played well for Italy. I know that hasn't necessarily been the case a lot lately, but certain debutante who hasn't played for Juventus yet. How about that? He, He makes his Italy debut before he makes his Juventus debut, and that's Federico Gatti, the the nicely named Freddie Katz, made his uh, his Italy debut against England. And by all accounts, and I know I said this in the post on our website over the weekend, played one hell of a, a game in his debut. And knowing that Federico Gatti played so well in his first Italy game, has that just amped up your anticipation to see what he can do in the Juventus jersey? Because we will react to ninety-minute samples of this here. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I've I've been interested in what he's in what he can do, uh, you know, ever since we we signed him. Definitely a lot more now. I mean, you know, he basically kept Tammy Abraham in a in a hamster cage for that entire for the, for the entire time that they were on the field together. And Abraham, like you said in in uh, in your piece earlier, Danny, Abraham's had a fantastic season at Roma. You know, he was he was he was pretty well imperious in that game, from what I understand. I have to admit, I don't, I, I did not watch that game. I was out at a uh, 
at a function for the entire day, but it was, it was everything that I've seen and heard highlight wise was that he took, you know, a couple of really good English attackers and, and, and turned in a clean sheet. And yes, that, that definitely given, you know, given the, the uncertainty around Leonardo Bonucci in terms of what his load management is going to be like and what his play in general is going to be like, having that happen was, a was a, a good sign. Obviously we need to see him do it in training and in Juventus games uh, before we really start revving up, but it is the most positive of positive signs you can take from a guy who was literally working construction like five years ago. And now here he is becoming potentially in, ter- in terms of, in terms of transfer process, I'm not about to try to compare him in terms of footballing ability, but in terms of, in terms of the, how the transfer was done, the, the under the radarness of the transfer and the, the inexpensiveness of the transfer, it could be another Andrea Barzali situation where you end up with a really good contributor in the, in the defense for not a lot of money. So yeah, I'm very much excited after this development to see what he can really do. Yeah, I think I'm just, you know, I'm just glad that possibly, hopefully, and obviously, like you said, Danny, we don't want to react to overreact too much to the 90 minute sample size. Oh, but we uh, will. But we will because it's summertime. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I'm just optimistic to have um, a defender who can at least like challenge the starting defenders. I mean, the Licht and. Uh, Rugani question mark Bonucci question mark no, Bonu- Bonu- Bonucci I mean, <laughs> yeah Max Max has already said that Bonucci is the captain right, yeah, so you yeah. would and albeit it comes with with the caveat that Max also said that Bonucci's playing time will not be guaranteed right. just because he is the captain but you have to think that it is very much Matthias Delict and Leonardo Bonucci as a clear-cut one-two center backs right going into the season at least and then obviously, well, given his age, you know, will he be able to play 90 minutes every game, you know, game in, game out? So I think it's just, you know, so important to have that backup. Um, Lugani, I think based on this season last season, if he keeps that up, I think he could be a very capable backup. And then while you need to ideally you have a fourth one. And I mean, depending on what Demiral does, if he, you know, returns and stays or if he returns and leaves again. Um, yeah, you definitely need that fourth center back who's just ready and capable to step into, uh, you know, to provide some rest for Delecht or Bonucci um, and for, you know, someone that Allegri t- uh, trusts. So um, that's, I think that's my kind of hope, you know, is that I hope that Gatti at least becomes a defender that Allegri trusts enough to play, you know, if, if Delecht or Bonucci needs a rest. You know, the, 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 Thing and, and we have given our fair share of, of crap to Juventus management for, you know, fumbling a lot of transfers, for kind of building a weird squad. But if, you know, Gatti ends up being the, the, the real deal and, you know, it was one game and, you know, whatever the hell the Nations League is, let's not overreact necessarily. But he looked really well. He was going against a very, very good, you know, England attacking team and, and, and he just looked like he belongs immediately and this is for a guy who was in Serie B all last year so uh, we, we mentioned it in, in uh, a previous podcast that I don't know if it was a previous podcast or on Twitter or, or on Slack I don't remember but it was kind of like I don't know how much to expect from this guy because he was in Serie B last season but if he ends up being like a, a good dependable player in his very first year in Serie A with Juventus I think you also have to give huge props to the to the management for kind of securing that transfer really out of the clouds. I know he had interest from, from uh, a few teams, but that kind of came out of nowhere. They moved really quick. Like it was kind of a, a thing of you found out about the guy on Tuesday and decide him by Wednesday. Like it was really, really well done. And, you know, you have to give them credit for kind of, you know, making him a priority and, you know, figuring out his talent or his potential, because if he ends up being a, a really good defender, I think, you know, I think that's going to be a feather in the cap of the new Juve management. I think also just learning more about his story is going to be pretty cool the, his first couple months at Juventus, right? Because, I mean, like Sam said, four or five years ago, this dude was literally doing construction. He was working in a supermarket to have supplemental income. And now 
he is on the cusp of appearing for Ju- Juventus. And, you know, he's very much not had the prototypical rise to Italy's most successful club. So I think that's that's another pretty cool aspect of it besides just the fact that on his Italy debut for the national team, he played really damn well. It's a Serie Kurt Warner story. <laughs> and he is de- he is a 23-year-old who does not look 23. Yeah. Well, <laughs> given so I, I uh, own a real estate company with my uh, fiance. So uh, if Gatti decides to change his mind after all and go back to construction, I uh, would be more than willing to. <laughs> are, you, uh, <laughs> are you saying you you guys might need a, a bricklayer from Italy? Hell, man! You know the short. You know how hard it is to find any, any people <laughs> in that trade or any other skilled trades. Hell, man! I'll fly him right over here. Come on up if you like uh, sunny, well, gloomy uh, Midwest uh, Ohio. Then uh, you know. Come on down. <laughs> I, I'm having scenes of the Sopranos coming back in my in my memory of when they you know needed mm. to bring, as they describe, a, a friend or two over from the other <laughs> side to uh, to get a job done. But yeah. this, these are, uh, I would assume, little different jobs that you need done, right, Chuck? Uh, these are all uh, declared income on uh, the IRS. <laughs> so well, let's just say like that. Uh, let's just say my 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 man F- Freddie Gatz will be getting his 1099 uh, miscellaneous form. Not not jobs that are paid half now, half later, and no, uh, no, definitely no. definitely done in a uh, a cash like situation. No, he'll be filling out a W nine and getting his 1099. Yeah, I know all the forms, man. I know all the forms. <laughs> All righty. Well, unless uh, unless you guys have anything else to say about Federico Gatti or, or any national team stuff, uh, I think I think it's time to go into our, our uh, the meat of this episode with the Twitter questions. Yeah, let's do that. All right, let's, let's do it. We've got a few questions here about Juventus's current manager and the manager before the current manager. So, who wants to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> all right, Chuck. <laughs> Please, not all at once. <laughs> <laughs> From at Allen underscore Ferguson, do you think Allegri makes it to the end of his contract? If yes, why? And if no, why? Um, I don't. I don't remember how long his contract or how many years he has remained. I guess three, three years. Three more. Years. Yeah, I figured it was three. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, three more years. I mean for sure one i mean for sure you know <laughs> this one coming up i mean i don't i think absolutely extraordinary circumstances would would have to happen for that to uh for him not to at least complete one more um and then yeah the two remaining i, I don't know actually i i'm not sure i mean three years is a long time i mean it's in in football anyway um you know i i think there's a good chance he doesn't just because I mean, I think right now, Juve, Juve fans anyway are not like super enthusiastic about Allegri. I mean, I think we'll, we'll we'll all kind of just accept him staying like for at least, you know, coming season and, you know, maybe the season after that. But I mean, I don't think there's this feeling of like, wow, Allegri has brought Juve back from like, you know, like and right now anyway, not, you know, the first spell, the first spell in charge. But um, I don't think there's this, this feeling of like, you know, again, Allegri has just made us rise from the ashes and just become like this superstar team i think many of us will agree and i mean sergio obviously did the uh the review the manager review on him um for this season uh, that i mean in many ways juve regressed this season so i mean obviously everybody knows that it's just simply too expensive for us to sack him right now uh into his contract given like the severance pay but obviously the closer you get to the end of his contract the lower like the less of his remaining contract you'll have to buy out so, you know, obviously the cost of like sacking him decreases the more time goes on. But yeah, I mean, will we see out will we see out his contract? I I don't I think no, not because it's like, oh, we're we're right about to sack him, but just because three years is like I said, a long time um in football. And just given that like he's not that we've kind of stagnated slash regressed last season. I mean, unless next season we, you know, hell wind a treble or something <laughs> like just something to like really like revive our enthusiasm for Allegri or our belief in him. I think I think we'll be he'll be your next season and then maybe the one season after that. But I doubt all three. I'm offended you didn't give me that one, Jim. 
Chuck, Chuck's came in with it first, but I can ask you another Allegra question. Would you like me to ask you another? Sure, sure, sure. Give me, sure, give me one. All right. Next one here from our friend down in South Florida at Diego R. Naranjo. Guys, what percentage of our failures from the season do you attribute to Max Allegri, to the players, to the injuries? Personally, Diego would go 50, 35, 15. That is a decent ratio. I might push it a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's me, but I, I might as well. I might actually push it a little bit up towards like the 55 realm for Allegri and take a little bit off of the team with the injuries being where it is. Just because, you know, e- even at the very beginning of the year with a full team, you know, you could see us dropping back the way that he always had been. I, I think it was the, uh, the game against Milan in the third week of the year where we went up early and then just didn't threaten the, the Milan goal again. And Rebic had that, had that big equalizer. Like it was always, it was always there that tactical negativity bordering on fear, uh, when it came to the way Allegri was approached getting leads. And so I, I, I think that, yeah, that, that, that's a bit, uh, uh, you know, Diego's, Diego's numbers are, are, are fair. I would even push it a tiny bit more towards, towards Allegri. The injuries certainly had a lot to do with it. Uh, just cause you know, obviously not having Chiesa a full, for a full year was, was huge, but we were still scoring one goal and defending for dear life when Chiesa was on the field. So it's, it's, it's hard to, in my opinion, it's hard to assign just how much of an impact that was because there, I I think there's an argument to say that the only difference that Chiesa might've made was, would be that he, you know, Juve would have scored the one goal faster before they dropped back into the shell. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, but yeah, I think that those are, I think Diego's numbers are good. I would push it ever so slightly, the needle ever so slightly more towards Allegri's sector. And, and yeah, the injuries were also rough. You know, a funny thing that, and, and I mentioned this in, in my, in my piece about Allegri, it, you know, it, in, at no point did anybody ever mention, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo was still on this team when the season started and, it's crazy to me. It, it, I, I honestly forgot, but because the season was so much stuff happened, I forgot. But, you know, think what you will of the man. And I know no one in this pod is particularly a huge fan of him. But, you know, still, that's that's a dude who at his worst is going to score 25 to 30 goals. That, you know, you know, he goes through the whole offseason thinking that he's going to play and then, you know, obviously we all know the story, we all know what happened, but he's, you know, I can't think of, of so many games, you know, your times that you drop points against Udinese and Empoli and whatnot. I cannot help but think that even, you know, not, no one likes Cristiano Ronaldo on this podcast, but even as someone who doesn't really like Cristiano Ronaldo, I have to say at least a couple of those, you know, we saw him just get that goal, get that opportunity, just make something happen out of nowhere. And, you know, it's, it's to me, I think it's an underrated huge factor of how this season developed and, and so many things, especially at the beginning going poorly, just because losing a guy of that stature has to, you know, kind of break your, you know, what you thought you were doing moving forward and it has to move the locker room in, in a way moving forward. And, it, it seems crazy to me that we just don't talk about it as, as kind of like an important thing to me. He, you know, his absence ended up being, you know, as impactful as, as Chiesa not being involved. Like those were when the season started, I think you can make a pretty decent argument. Those two were probably two of your three best players in whatever order you want to rank them, but losing or, or pretty much having two of your best players just be a complete non-factor, I think has to be taken into account. And again, and I don't, disagree that Allegri had a lot to do with it I think he definitely shares some of the blame of that but I still you know I I, I disagree in the sense I don't think he had you know 50 60 percent of the blame for the season I, I really really don't 
I, I need to flatly disagree with you on this for two reasons. For, for, I think there are two data points that show that Ronaldo, that Ronaldo or no Ronaldo, I don't think we were, I don't think we were having much, much different of a year. One, and I've met, I've, I've, I've harped on this before. I've brought this up before the number of big chances that this team created, the number of chances this team created this year was nearly halved in league play. And at that point, you cannot, at that point, I don't think that Ronaldo makes that much of a difference because if, you know, what's he what's he banging because he's not creating those chances on his own anymore he's not that oh, type of come player on. not anymore <laughs> not not at his age like, not at it's his like we age. didn't see the same player he's not dribbling past three sergio he's not he's not dribbling past three guys and and slamming the ball into the net you saw you saw last year against pirlo that he's kept on trying to do that and he kept on he's failing cool. Because he doesn't have that pace anymore. He doesn't have, he's not that type of player. He's 37. He scored 26 goals for a higher fest of, of Manchester United, like a garbage and, fire of a team. And and the second th- and and my second thing is that when we did end up with a dead-eye finisher like Dusan Vlaovic on this team, the needle moved not at all. He did not get the chances. He, you know, he worked his off he tried real hard but he didn't have the balls to finish so no i don't think cristiano ronaldo would have been i do not think cristiano ronaldo moves the needle on that because i do not think that there is i think the chance creation is nothing is it is zero on this team practic for, for all intents and purposes torino was 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 creating more chances than we were this year at worst, that's that. That's not, no, no. I'm I'm sorry. You Ronaldo is at this point a Luca Tony type player. He cannot. <laughs> Holy shit! is Luca Tony. Are you okay? I know you don't need, like because no, he's not. No matter who, no. He's not. He is not create. He is like I said. He is not creating his own. He is not creating his own chance. Eight times out of ten, he's not doing it anymore because he's too old. His game has changed. He's not accepting that fact, and he's still trying to do all the crap that he used to before. But his game has changed. How many times last season under Pirlo did we see him try to do all the things that that everybody always oohed and over? And like defenders on garbage teams were getting the ball off of him. There, uh, he's not creating the chance those chances the way he used to when he was younger. He's just not. And when you see the number of, of major chances on the team get, that the team created get cut by a factor of almost half, then I cannot understand why you would think that any striker would make that kind of a difference in the team. I, I'm just going to say this one thing. He scored 26 goals for a garbage fire of a Manchester United team if you at worst at worst you have a guy that would have scored I don't know 20 goals he would have been the leading scorer of the team I mean I I just you know he would have won one two three games that you drop he almost bailed us out against Udinese he I mean that, that was just you know a VAR masterclass right there but you know he came in he had those plays he still has a talent to make those plays so you know, whether or not I know that, you know, we disagree on this, <laughs> obviously, but, you know, call me crazy for thinking that a guy who can very easily score 20 plus a season would have probably helped a team that had no player score anywhere near 20 goals this year. So I don't know. I, I, th- I think scoring goals is a good thing. I do, too. And I wish Allegri did as well. <laughs> I mean, I'll jump in on one quick thing and then we can move in, uh, move on to the uh next question uh, i mean i think the i guess sam's original point was like the big chances created versus goals scored or the chances created thing versus goals scored i uh, think which i mean i guess just like from purely kind of nitpicky uh, standpoint i mean i guess a goal scored is not counted as a chance created technically right because i mean i guess it just counts as a goal scored right like i mean it would strike me as like a double counting if you count like a goal scored as a chance created. Like, 
the same thing that the same way that an assist is created is credited as a key pass it's, that's, uh, yeah. and, but, but it's, it's it i mean a key pass is a key pass is a shot that is a pass that leads to a shot and you know by definition that's what an assist yeah. is <laughs> so so they're both they can be both at the same time a big chance is a big chance is a big chance whether you score it or you miss it yeah yeah i mean i guess if that's the case i mean yeah i guess that kind of changes my thought actually i mean it's i think if like i said this is just purely nitpicking but i think if a chance created is sorry if a goal scored is counted like statistically as a chance created then i probably do agree with sergio but if it's not because then i agree i mean ronaldo probably would have scored i mean you know know, at least like 15 ish 20 goals whatever um for juve because yeah yeah those would have been chances created quite literally then uh, but if not then i actually agree with sam because because yeah i mean i agree i think ronaldo has transitioned into becoming a finisher rather than a creator um, of chances which i think is a natural progression in someone's career as you get older you know creating chances i think just like from from the way i look at creating chances which is you know i don't know dribbling past the player or like you know yeah just i don't know some moment of magic that you just figure out somehow I think that requires more energy than just, you know, than having, well, it requires more physical energy than being in the right place at the right time, which is more of a cognitive thing that, like I said, I, I see players as they get older kind of progress more towards like, okay, I'm just going to focus on being in the right place at the right time to finish the chance rather than like trying to like muscle my way through uh, defense, which again, I think is logical. Uh, but yeah, I, I, to me, Ronaldo strikes me as a player that has kind of, become focused more on just like all right i'm just gonna be in the right place at the right time and finish chances rather than create them so um but yeah interesting uh, discussion nonetheless all right one more question on the manager talk and then we'll go to some players and since sergio is very much the agent of chaos here on our podcast i will throw this one to him from at lap is goat if andrea pirlo succeeds in his new job in turkey do you see a world in which he ends up back at juventus at some point in the near future i don't know near future but maybe i mean i i know that he didn't leave the club necessarily in bad terms if you ask me the same question about like i don't know marito sarri i would say <laughs> no because he definitely left the club in, in bad terms but <laughs> I, I think Pirlo left it in good terms i think it's unlikely just because you know allegri does have that contract and i I am still bullish on his future. So, you know, even if he completes that contract, that's four years. If he's successful, probably more. I just don't don't see it. But, you know, who knows? Maybe Pirlo is a huge hit in, in Turkey. He wins the league or whatever. He takes a higher profile gig and then, you know, becomes a really coveted manager. I could definitely see it down the line in the future. But in the short term, that that seems to me like like pretty, pretty unlikely, both because of the Allegri factor and, you know, Short term means that, you know, he probably did, I don't know, either really well or really poorly in Turkey. And it just seems like neither of those paths is super conducive to conductive to just going back to Juventus. So I wouldn't oppose it, though. I, I mean, I still I still like the guy. He obviously still likes Juventus. They still have a decent relationship. But but it's, you know, it's it's unlikely. I see it as very, very unlikely. It's interesting. So he signed a one year contract with them. Um... Yeah, with this uh, with this new employer, so um, it's almost kind of like a let's see if this kind of works before committing. Uh, uh, just weird, just just a weird, weird career choice. Um, you know, no disrespect to the Turkish league, but I don't, you know, I don't think that's a top tier league, and he definitely didn't go to a top tier club in in Turkey. So just just weird. I thought it would make a lot more sense for him to to stay in Italy, but you know, who knows? I mean, he he's the type of guy that makes unconventional choices. So maybe, maybe there's something there. I mean, I imagine he tried though, right? Like I, I had, I had heard something about him trying to get to Sassuolo um, at some point. And yeah, before they, before they hired Dionisi, his name was being banned. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, no, I imagine he would have tried to stay in Italy because yeah, it, it, it kind of sucks for him because it's, I, I feel like he did the right, like career wise for his coaching career. Anyway, I think, I feel like he did the right things. Um, you know, he started like just got his license and all that, and then started with the youth team, like intended to start with the youth team, right? Which is how, like, you know, I mean, he did manage him for a week. Charlie. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> which is like, you know, how someone like Zidane, like he started as well with the with the youth team and then, you know, assistant coach and then like main coach. So I feel like he, he probably did want to kind of take that slow, like just steady progression. But then, yeah, things just changed. And, you know, yeah. He's definitely restarting things from what you would expect to be, you know, a, a coach of his experience level to start as opposed to, to just jumping straight into the deep end. And maybe that may, maybe this, this is the, the move that he needs to jumpstart and get back into, get himself back into a place where he can at that, where he can then, you know, come back to Italy and with a little bit more street cred as it were. And, and say, yeah, no, this works. I just, I, I, I don't know if he's, I don't know if coming back to Juventus, on you know with this front office would probably be in the cards because i don't you know the you know you know so many protestations of oh yeah he'll be back he'll be back he'll be back and then two days later i yeah like he's back in the in that office i don't i don't that that and and if the social media rantings of his son are anything to go by i think there there that there's still some uh some upset there um, I, I, I think there's some bad tastes in the mouth, in mouths. What is it about like parents and like mo- and siblings and sons and stuff always causing like Rabio's mom and now, you know, Pirlo's son. And I don't know, what is it about them always, you know, family members always want to stir up some trouble. Well, unfortunately for Adrian yeah. Rabio, his mother is his agent. So you yeah, can't yeah. really avoid that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, well, what do I know? I don't know. It's yeah, yeah, it, it is just interesting. Like, I guess it makes sense to want your family member to be an agent or just like because you know, we that person has your best interest in mind, but it's like, yeah, it's still kind of weird. I don't know. All right, Chuck. So, you you brought you brought up a surgeon, Adrian Rabio, and he is part of the next question question from at Amin underscore SIB with Locatelli and Pogba. Who would you choose as the third midfielder next season? Dennis Zakaria or Adrian Rabio, and I will be a proper American and throw in Weston McKinney as well. Actually, you, that, that's probably the right choice. The, the one you brought in, Weston McKinney. Yeah. I, I think he he fits in really well. And one of the you know low-key worst aspects of, of last season was he was rounding into form. He was playing his best football Arguably his best game of the season is the very game he gets hurt and we never see him again. And that's a real shame because I think he has just everything to become that box-to-box midfielder, that, that, that destroyer, that guy that can bring something in the offensive aspect, but that can also you know, provide cover as, as defensively. To me, I think you know, he's been you know, in a lot of transfer rumors, like pretty much every single player in the squad. Uh, but... I mean, that that guy to me, he really showed something last year than, that I just didn't think or didn't see from him during his first year at Juve. This year, I think he was he was really kind of, you know, getting getting showing that potential. And I think that if they keep him, that's the perfect pairing. Look at that, a, Mexi- a Mexico fan praising Weston McKinney. Yeah, I was also going to say, especially, and this is something that you've also brought up, Sergio. But if 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 Allegri is insisting on using that the third person in that midfield as a box to box midfielder, McKenny fits that profile better than Zakaria, because Zakaria is is more of a, a defensive midfielder, a, a, a CDM than than he is a box than he is a Metzala. and 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 I agree with Sergio. That was you know Allegri's insistence on playing him as as a box-to-box midfielder sapped his effectiveness because there wasn't that much that he could um there wasn't as much that he could do and so i i, I think that mckinney would be perfect for that all right who wants the next question give it to chucks because he had uh, he, he just got uh... <laughs> i'll take it yes. <laughs> all right well we'll keep it on the midfield from at vince and 1225 
once Paul Pogba decides to take bigger money at PSG, do we go after Sergio Malinkovic Savage? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like your uh, brutal uh, realism. <laughs> it's like expect disappointment. Hey, this, this is part. This is part of the fun of doing a mailbag episode. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you get you get people who are brutally honest. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, oh gosh. From what was it, the latest Spider-Man movie? It was like uh, I think that MJ said something like. Um, I never have my hopes up or like I never have expectations that way I don't get disappointed or something, something like that, uh, which is a great movie, by the way. Um, I highly recommend. Um, but yes, will we sign? We think of it savage. Uh, I mean, I actually strangely seem to think that Pogba will probably come back to you. They actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just mostly just for sentimental reasons, I think. Um, you know, and it's funny, actually, because he left Juve for United. I mean, obviously bigger paycheck, but um, I think also for sentimental reasons, like coming back to United, kind of having something to prove and, you know, um, yeah. Walk just back. Yeah, yeah indeed. Um, and then it's just not been a very happy time for him there, it seems like. I mean, I don't, you know, follow United day by day, but it seems like it's just been a, not even like, I mean, obviously performance-wise, he didn't, I don't, I seemingly, um, he hasn't hit the heights that he did with uh, Juve and especially with France. Um, but even besides that, it just seems like he got a lot of just negativity and just, um, yeah, a lot of, I mean, criticism, sure, every player gets criticism, but it just seemed like very, yeah, just very unpleasant, just very negative. And, um, you know, I, I kind of felt for him just for his experience there. And it's just a very unstable club, all the, you know, all the stuff going on there. Um, so, I would think that just based on all that, that he would want somewhere just pleasant, I guess, just uh, more po- more positive, or just at least at a club that he knows and that he has a positive memory of, and and is will be with the coach who we you know spent a lot of time with as well. Um, although not many of the players will be actually not many of the players will be there anymore. Actually, that he played with uh, almost at all. I th- I think only Bonucci I can think of top of my head um, and Morata perhaps if he stays, but um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I think this is just one of those sentimental things and just one of those things that we have to remember that, you know, players are human beings and like, you know, obviously he wants, I mean, it seems like he's going to get a pretty sizable paycheck, which I mean, that bother, bothers me um, a little bit, um, but yeah, I mean, I think he'll just, I think this is something he'll do just based on, you know, wanting to, uh, yeah, just wanting to go to a place where he knows that he'll at least be in a positive environment, even if, you know, obviously Juve is going through some transition as well. So, uh, yeah, I actually don't, you know, I think we'll probably get him. And, yeah, Milinkovic-Savage, I don't know. I mean, Lazio will probably charge an arm and leg for him. So, yeah. Probably. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and I don't, I, again, I don't watch Lazio that much. I mean, he seems a very decent player, but I think there was a lot of hype around him, like, two years or ago or so where really like it was really hotly rated and it seemed like people kind of like thought okay he's good but uh you know is he like life or death good you know maybe not um also you have to wonder if he really was that that good then i mean surely like a psg or real madrid or something would have come along so um yeah i mean yeah that was three, four years ago when Claudio Lotito literally wanted over a hundred million euros for him. So I think that's, I mean, the, and I think that's the, if you want to know what, if you want a reason as to why Milinkovic Savic is still with Lazio, I think Claudio Lotito is one of the major reasons why. Yes. Yeah. Which fair play. I mean, you know, I guess, I guess he's a president that just doesn't want to get bullied around with selling his players, uh, you know, just like whatever, when, or at the first calling of a big club. You know, fair enough, but I mean, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of the Andrea Bellotti kind of, you know, situation where it's like, I think at one point Milan offered, I don't know, a lot of money for him anyway. And yeah, people were like, oh, probably should have taken the money because Bellotti now is uh, seems... the 100 million euro release clause, Bellotti. And... Yeah. Well, that's a little, I think the difference there is that Bellotti's performance level kind of dropped off not long after yeah, he signed yeah, the contract, yeah. whereas Milinkovic Savic, I don't necessarily think that's the case yeah yeah yeah, true yeah he's still performing quite well and yeah but yeah i mean milinkovic i mean he's one of those players where it's like you know if we got him for like a reasonable price at like a semi-reasonable at like a 
decent but at a reasonable price and that we wouldn't have to like break our like salary or, or wage structure which i don't know if anybody even cares about that anymore at the club but you know if we didn't have to pay some like absurd wages for him i'll be like yeah sure i mean he you know i wouldn't mind him but yeah i mean he's not a player i'd w- want to like move heaven and earth for to get let's just I, say like i that. think you i think it would be more transfer fee than wages is would be yeah the, yeah true lazio is got point yeah yeah lazio has got to be a pretty nominal wages i imagine so yeah all righty here uh we'll actually go to uh amin who asked a couple of questions uh for samuel since we haven't asked you directly one yet uh in a little bit with the insane acceleration chiesa used to master don't you think it's nearly impossible to have him back to that level without getting an ACL again? I don't think so. I, I don't think so at all. I was actually having a conversation like this uh, in, in our club, in the, the Juventus Club Empire State WhatsApp uh, just a couple of days ago. I, I, I don't think that it was a necessarily, as much as the Roma turf monster just eats guys, I think the main damage to his ACL came on that really awful challenge that Smalling hit him with early, you know, early on. Cause you remember he got, he, he, he had that hit, he got hit by Smalling. He was down for a while and he came back on to try to play again. And I was surprised when that happened. I was surprised they let him. Um, and then he pulled up again, not long after that. And I think whatever he was trying to do to, to, to keep going is what eventually caused the full tear. I, I think that that was an impact ACL as opposed to a non-contact ACL. I, I, or at the, at the very least, the beginnings of the damage was caused by the contact from Smalling and not just because. And so I don't think that you can say, uh, I, I don't think you can say with certainty that he's going to, you know, that, that he's going to be susceptible to another one the way somebody like Nicolo Zaniolo was. Yeah, I, th- I think he. I think he'll recover. I think also remember, sports science has knees. I'm very much down nowadays. I mean, there's always the kind of there's always the the outlier uh, these days. Guys like like Dario Marchisio, who are just never quite the same. Uh, Marchisio, although also was a, a good bit older than uh, than Chiesa was when he when he got hurt. But yeah, I think that I, I think that he can come back and play at or close to and or at the level that he played before. And I don't necessarily think that you have to be on pins and needles, you know, provided he doesn't rush himself and come in too fast. I think that there is every reason to believe that he can be the player that he was before, just given what I think the circumstances of the injury are. Since I like to ask Sergio fun questions, another one, another fun one for him from at select clay. Here's a fun prompt. What position do you think Juventus would finish in if they played in the premier league? You can do the current team and, or the, be- the quote unquote, better teams of the past. You know, it depends. If you ask a premier league stand, we probably get relegated, right? Like, so- over. <laughs> 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 Overhyped, you know, view of their league. And look, the Premier League is the standard in many ways, uh, economically, financially. I think they've they've really, you know, developed and grown their brand, and they have really, really good teams. But you know, they have really, really good teams that you know they just lost the Champions League final. I mean, you know, I I, I think. Juventus was probably better than I don't know Manchester United. I mean. What was the Premier League table? Uh, let me check that real quick. Yeah, so they're, they're probably better than Arsenal. Arsenal finished fifth. Uh, you probably were right there fighting with Tottenham for the top four spot. I think they could have finished, you know, top four, top five. I don't think a lot of it changes, you know. Is Newcastle marginally better than, I don't know, like Sassuolo maybe, but I don't think the difference is, you know, that, that huge at the end of the day, 
you know, Juventus is still still a good club, still a top tier club. We, you know, <laughs> this is the first year without trophies in like 10 years plus, and we want to tear the club down. I think we have very, very high expectations, but, you know, we're still in the Champions League. I think of a fully fit squad next year. I think there might be there might be surprises there. But yeah, I think they finished roughly in the same position. I don't really think there's a ton of difference. Yeah, I'll jump in there too. And I mean, I guess it's really more of a question of just how would Juve deal with just a big difference in the type of football played on a week week to week basis from, you know, the Premier League to the Serie A. I mean, it's just in some strange way, I, I think would suit us more because since our midfield is so bad, it's like, in a way, I feel like in, in the Premier League, we wouldn't need a midfield as much. We'll just, you know, we wouldn't, yeah, we wouldn't be hurt as much by a lack of midfield, lack of a midfield. So that would help. But that said, I mean, I, I think you can, just in terms of the, the other teams, you can definitely rule out coming in the top two. I mean, Liverpool and City are, you know, miles ahead of us. So then, yeah, and like Sergio said, it's basically between third place and fifth place, which I think, yeah, that's probably roundabout where it would end. But yeah, I think the more interesting thing is indeed just yeah, the style of play. Would how would the style of play benefit us, and how would it hurt us? Um, yeah, like I said, I think our lack of midfield would like well, yeah, our weaker midfield would be not as much of an issue as an issue in Premier League, just given that you know it's it's a little more direct. But I don't know, would we be able to deal with the pace and the, the pace and power of the Premier League? Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. You, you just wanted to jump in to use your English accent. Now, uh, I well, yeah. I made it up on the fly, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, pace and power." All right. Last question here. I will expand it to the entire field, so we'll get everybody's uh, thoughts on this. And obviously, there is the giant caveat of a entire summer transfer window to be uh, completed, since Juventus has not actually officially done a piece of business yet. So, from at vo underscore Dyken. What are your guys' expectations for next season? The si- the silence was great. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> totally leaving that in there. Just in general, I think, you know, I, I do think they, they, they will have a better season. I think I, I'm not fully quite ready, you know, yet to say they're going to win the league or anything like that especially because we still don't know in terms of transfers, in terms of who's coming, who's staying. The squad is very much in flux. But, you know, with if we just take for granted the, you know, the, the rumors and say they're going to bring in Pogba, uh, you know, they're going to mainly or mostly keep most of the important guys in the team, I at least expect them to actually compete for the title, actually be there, because this time they were never really in the picture. So I do expect them to compete. Uh, I... You know, Champions League is such a, you know, crapshoot every year. But, you know, I think knockout rounds has to be at least the, the bare minimum for this team. It always has to be kind of the expectation. And then from there, see if they don't crap the bet. But in terms of the league, which can be a little bit more, you know, predictable or easier to say, I, I would expect them to actually challenge for the title. Not maybe not to win it. If they win it, if they win it, it'd be great. But to actually challenge and, and you know, be in the picture with, which would be an improvement. That, that is what we have to do to consider the season successful. Whether or not we get there depends, you know, a lot on, like, like you said, Sergio, this, this is a squad in a huge amount of flux. If you take, Pog, if you take Pogba for, as a given at this point, he has to play and be available for there to be any chance of that. Um, and... And Allegri has to open up the team when it comes to attacking and scoring goals. Cause we're not gonna, we're not going to challenge for a title scoring the amount of goals we were this year. You know, if so, if those two things happen, yeah, I can see a, 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 a long-term title fight with a potential win at the end, depending on how things work out. Um, but it also depends very much on how we rebuild the front line. And if we make any supplemental moves in the, in the midfield, it, you know, it's, it's, I think it's really super hard to, 
to say that at this point in the year, we're, we're, we're looking, we're trying to say that looking at a, at a, at an incredibly incomplete picture, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, what we have to do for, you know, for the sec, for the sake of acceptability is, you know, be in it a lot longer than we were next year. Yeah. I'm going to sidestep the question as well. And yeah, I say there's just, yeah, I mean, there's way too much unknown right now to, uh, to really answer it accurately. Uh, plus, I mean, we're also going to have a season preview episode of the podcast, so we will answer all these questions and more in the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> we will try to pull predictions out of you, Chucks, like they were pulling teeth. Well, I'm a, I'm a man of compromise now. The older I get, uh, we'll you know, ring the information. Out. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm becoming more and more, you know, softer in my convictions and saying, "All right, <laughs> have my predictions, have it." What's the over under on, uh, you know, since you mentioned the season preview episode that we'll we'll be doing in a in a, in a few weeks from now, uh, how many how many times will you utter the line that you usually do? Uh, I like to make my predictions after things happen. Well, now it's become too obvious, and I can't use it anymore. I'm gonna put the over under at two and a half. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing. That's Once the about. element of surprise is gone, it's like, oh, that's no that's no fun anymore. Is it? <laughs> you know? So yeah, now I now I can't use it. So. Until once the element of surprise is back, then ooh, it'll strike us a thief in the night. Boom. That's right. That's right. Well, guys, anything else, or shall we land this plane? Well, let's take us down. Yeah, let's, let's bring it down, and let's hope Juve uh, gives us more things to smile about next week. <laughs> All right. Well, as we're recording this, apparently uh, LAFC and Giorgio Chiellini are making rather obvious hints as to where Juventus's most recent captain will be playing his his next his next stop, I guess is the right way to say it. But uh, other than that, yes, we uh, we appreciate the Twitter questions. We enjoyed doing a Twitter question episode and changing things up a little bit since there's not much news wise happening at the moment. So we appreciate that. Thank you all for your Twitter questions. And if you want to send them to us whenever you so want to do so at Juventus Nation is the proper search is the Twitter handle. I should say search us at black and white and red over on there as well as on Facebook. Uh, same search tool for your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you want to follow us there, feel free to also leave us a rating and a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So as I get all of this out of order, then what I usually do for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and for producer Couch, this is Danny. Thank, thank you very much, and we will talk to you guys next week.